With hockey roaring and the NBA in full swing as well, Sportsnet Now is your home for all the action. Stream more than 500 NHL games this season, blackout free, including the Stanley Cup playoffs. Plus, stream the 2019 NBA champion Raptors, who I still think could make the playoffs this year, and all your favorite Sportsnet original shows and much more. Visit snnow.ca for more details. Welcome to the Tape to Tape podcast powered by the Ram 1500 Sport built exclusively for Canadians. Rory, we flip to a new month here. November 1st, we are going to look back at October and uh, talk about a few things we learned from a month of NHL hockey. We're yeah. also going to speak to Eric Erlinson, the Tampa Bay Lightning insider, and find out what's going on with the Bolts who... Uh, have been anything but the team we expected, I would say, so far. And picking up on that, the first thing as we comb over what happened in October that kind of stands out to me as I flip through the Canadian teams and I see the Vancouver Canucks with the best points percentage, the mm-hmm. Edmonton Oilers with the second best, and the Montreal Canadiens with the third best. What the heck is going on with the teams we <laughs> thought would be good or some version of good? Winnipeg, yeah. Toronto... And Calgary, mm-hmm. a giant nothing burger so far. Yeah. Now, Winnipeg obviously has had some things going on and expectations. Yeah, had to be you know, they, it yeah. had been altered a bit. Yeah. But those teams are basically 500 clubs right now. Yeah. So, like we said, Winnipeg, your blue line is decimated. The expectations for them had had to be lowered immediately. So, not not a shocker that they're off to the start they are right now. I thought Sean Reynolds did a nice piece for sportsnet.ca today looking at the Scheifler, a Scheifley Wheeler combo. Maybe you just call it that, the Scheifler should, combo. Yeah. <laughs> um, who basically never gets split up, right? There's yeah. always that third winger that's being moved in and out. It's Ehlers, Even though we've seen Connor, Wheeler play lining. center in Scheifley's absence. In his absence, and, yeah. But when they're good, together, yeah, when they're in the lineup at the same time, they never get moved off. They were moved off of the line in the uh, Heritage Classic for a very brief amount of time. Uh, Sean pointed out that it only happened once that he could recall last year in a blowout loss to Colorado. So it's not something they've really tried yet, um, but it might open up some new possibilities up front. Um, obviously, Wheeler's not getting off to the, the start that a lot of people hoped, certainly as fantasy owners. Yeah. Um, and these guys, these guys are the veterans who have done this for so many years. They have earned the right to kind of push through these slumps whenever they do happen. But now it's not just them slumping. It's the team needing to find a, a new, not so much an identity, but a way to f- win games. And maybe that's the way that, that you can do it. And for a team like Toronto, you, you know, there's, there is some bad luck in there. Like, I think... There, there's a couple factors. Having John Tavares out of the lineup tough is, schedule. is big. The tough schedule. Freddie Anderson's numbers are down, and you just have to believe that, that that's going to course correct. Freddie Anderson has been one of the most consistent netminders mm-hmm. in the game, and that's all you want right now is a guy who's going to perform at that level. I have to believe he's going to bounce back, and when it happens, it's just naturally going to start happening for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Might not solve the problem of him playing too much still, but that, he's that's going to get That's a whole back. other discussion, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you got to weigh how important the division title is to you versus going into the playoffs fresh. But of course, you got to make it to the playoffs first and all that stuff. Uh, and the Calgary Flames, I mean, they're, it's really hard to know what to make of them because 
they can look great and then they can look absolutely horrible. Um, the the way their game uh, Thursday night started, I mean, they ended up winning it somehow. Yeah, a wild one in Nashville. Absolutely a crazy game. But Nashville was taking it to them in, in the first period plus in that game. It looked like one of those games where, again, Calgary was going to get hammered they were going to get out shot by 40 you know yeah. it was it wasn't even close and and when they fell behind i can't remember it was a three goal deficit they were down by or whatever it, it was 4-1 in the third it was 4-1 um it was already starting to turn to a when is bill peters going to blow up on this yeah. team and b how long is the rope for bill peters you know yeah. and and Which now is, and then they end up winning the game crazy right it, but it's yeah. insane but this this is what happens in the early season um it's it's less obvious for me that Calgary is going to bounce back. Yeah. Like the Leafs, it just seems like that's the way it's going to unfold for the team. There's some bad, there's some bad luck for the Flames. It's just they're not playing the same. Johnny Gaudreau doesn't seem to be doing the same kind of things. They have split up Monahan and Gaudreau. It looks like they're going to be back together, but they have split them up and tried that. It just seems like they do need each other. But again, it's the same old problem there where Matthew Kachuk is on your second line. Michael Backlund isn't an offensive driver. He's he's more of a, a defensive specialist, a great player, though. But they don't have a secondary scoring line to to support that. Mark Jankowski, Sam Bennett, Michael Froelich, these are all good players, but they're not going to give you that little oomph of offense that um, can help a team like like Toronto with all the depth and scoring they have. You know, it does come down too to David Riddick needs to be as good as he's been. Um, if that ever uh, falters in any way, then there's going to be a whole bunch of new issues for the Calgary Flames. But um, it, it's it might be a tougher road for Calgary to fully bounce back. It's you know to win the division title again is 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 a going to be an uphill battle. Um, but it's it's I, I don't know like it, to me Calgary's the one I'm most worried about yeah. Toronto's the one I'm least worried about and Winnipeg's kind of doing what we should expect maybe they're they're equal to what we should expect given given the decimated blue line we'll get Ian McIntyre on here who covers the Canucks for Sportsnet of course to talk more about uh, Vancouver soon because yes. I think it merits a bigger conversation really but just good quickly story. I think we have to touch yeah, on absolutely. Pedersen JT Miller on that line been a great fit the goalies have been good Thatcher Demko when Markstrom had to go, return yes. home to Sweden, stepped yes. in and was great. I mean, you know, the they blew a 5-1 lead against the Washington Capitals at home, but that's about the only blip right now. Yeah, um, I mean, we knew Pedersen was great. He didn't, the points didn't start coming immediately, but he's got 10 in his last four now. Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes, I mean, he's going to be in that Calder yeah. Trophy discussion all year. Um you know, when they made a couple things here, when they made that trade for JT Miller in the summer, it was curious because they were giving a first round pick back to Tampa Bay. It was either going to be this year or next year. It's it's lottery protected. But that really kind of defined Vancouver's window for when they needed to get back into the playoffs. You better get back in one of these next two years or else you're giving Tampa Bay potentially a top 10 pick or top five or maybe even they win the lottery and get number one and that sure. would look terribly. Um, but you know, Benning believed in this roster and he believed that JT Miller would be a, a nice fit there. And I think there's something to be said for he was he was basically a 20 goal, 50 point guy for the New York Rangers. Um, didn't kind of live up to that level for Tampa Bay last year. But I think that more had to do with his place in the lineup and everything else going on there than anything in his game. And that's shown him and Elias Pettersson have been a, a tremendous combo. Andrew Berkshire uh, wrote a great analytics look at them on sportsnet.ca on Friday morning, and they are just 
absolutely leading the charge. One of the best duos, making up one of the best lines in the entire league through the first month of the season and the way they create chances and high quality chances and everything like that. And now it seems to be coming together. So if that duo, you know, if this is not a mirage and that sticks, then that trade is going to be absolutely worth it. And I think what was interesting, what he pointed out is um, Pedersen was able to do these kind of things on his own last year but it didn't have any effect on anybody else. So when you looked at his rates relative to the league, they didn't stand out even if they were good within his own team. But the way those two now together are kind of supercharging everything, it's helped lines two and lines three also um, with lesser defensive coverage create those chances. So now it's kind of, uh, you know... was a rising tide lifts all boats. Everything sure. is coming up for the Vancouver Canucks now. So they're driving one of the best lines in the NHL through one month of the season, but it's also helping the rest of Vancouver's lines create chances and create more goals. And so that's obviously having a huge effect. The defense has been great. I'm sure everybody's waiting for that first Alex Edler or Chris Tanev injury or something like that and how they deal. But Ole Levy has been fantastic in the AHL yeah, so far this season. Track, so maybe like- you're better prepared to handle that than we originally thought. And and finally, the other thing is what you alluded to there is Thatcher Demko has been great stepping in for Jacob Markstrom, who is a UFA at the end of the season. Talk is going to start to build on when they need to make a decision between those two guys, but I don't think they necessarily have to, right? Like with the NHL going the way it is, where you need tandems now, splitting starts and all that stuff, you don't have to give up Jacob Markstrom to keep Thatcher Demko. It's probably better to keep Markstrom around for another two or three years, go forward with this tandem, and then by the time that contract is up, maybe Michael DiPietro is ready to come up. Who knows what, what happens? And you kind of give Thatcher Demko a few more years to ease him, in. ease him in rather than, okay, boom, we had this good season. Now you're the starter. Yeah, it's true. Sink or swim. Idea. Yeah. Man, the Pacific is going to be really interesting to watch, especially if even Vegas um, doesn't, you know, really put it together because teams we thought that would be at the top, Calgary, San Jose, not so much. And Edmonton and Vancouver uh, both look really good. Also looking really good, you might even say perfect, the most appropriately named line in hockey, I guess, the perfection line. Yeah, really. (laughs) It's funny, if you said to me out of the teams we all universally would have picked in some order to finish one, two, three, in the Atlantic, Boston, Tampa, and Toronto, if you said to me one of those teams is actually going to struggle to make the playoffs, I would have said Boston Same. only because as much as they're clearly built for the playoffs, they just don't have the oodles of talent that the other two teams have where yeah. they can just sneeze and win 5-1. But here they are. The Bruins look great. This line just keeps getting better. It's unbelievable. It, when you When you watch them play, it looks like everything's freelanced, right? Yeah. Like there's no defined system. I'm sure there is some kind of some kind of system in there, but they're all just kind of floating around doing these little spins and everything. They know where each other is going to be and they can just find it. I mean, that game against the Leafs, I think it, it shone right through. And I mean, they've been playing so together for so long. They have been dominating for so long. It's old hat. We take them for granted maybe, but they were one of the better stories of, of the first half or first month of the season too. Um, just the fluidity, the chemistry that they have together. There's no doubt that they are still the best line in hockey until somebody somebody else does something for a sustained amount of time. Buffalo or Edmonton, which very uh, good yeah. October team ends up with more points. Right now, let me get it right. Yep. Buffalo has 20 points in 13 games. Yep. Edmonton has 19 and 14. Yeah, you know, you asked me that before we sat down here. I still don't have a solid it's answer. It's a really tough one. Um 
because we've talked about Ralph Kruger and his influence. I love, I, I want to buy into that. Edmonton's defensive play has been much better. And if that sticks, um, that that's a game changer for them. But I'm probably going to have to, uh, probably going to have to go with Buffalo All on right. this because the, f- the five on five scoring for the Oilers beyond Dreisaitl and McDavid is still not there. And it, that's the, that's a massive question. If that is just not going to get going, um, you wonder, do they call up Tyler Benson? I can't imagine that they would try Kyler Yamamoto again so soon. I would think Ken Holland especially would want to give him a full year in yeah. the AHL. But if your record is still good, you're you're going to have that 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 pull to do something like that to try and find that scoring that you so desperately need. Because if you don't find it ever, even if your defense is better, it's going to be a a, a tough slog um, right till the end of the season. They both got great coaches, but I I think at the end of the day, Buffalo might have a little bit more staying power there. I think it could be close. That's a really good question. Last one. Mike Legg's legacy lives yeah. on. The lacrosse-style goals yeah. still happening. Still happening. First time in the NHL it's happened. First time? Was that the first time? First time in the NHL Sveshnikov's was the first time. Yeah. You know, the interesting talking point from there is he hits the goalie, David Riddick, in the mask with his stick on the follow-through. Is this, Should this be legal or not? Right? right. It's not technically high-sticking because it's below the crossbar and everything like that. That's going to be the discussion, obviously, I would think most of us would want to keep that stuff in the game, but it is legitimately a a player safety concern, concern yeah. um, that is worthy of discussion. Um, it's just it's a it's a question of does this become more regular or not? And we have seen various players try it. No one's been able to pull it off until Svechnikov. But now that it's happened, especially. I wonder if you're going to start to see more players get a little bit more aggressive to it. And then defensively, too, if it's going to become more of a regular thing, you're not going to be able to just let that guy sit behind the line. You're going to have to go down. And then what does that do for the defensive coverage out in front of the net? All right. Well, October's in the books. We'll see what November brings. The rest of this pod is going to bring all kinds of great stuff. So stick around. Lots more to come on Tape to Tape. Tape is brought to you by the Canadian exclusive Ram 1500 Sport. Rory, I used to drive a Ram as part of my uh, summer job as a teenager. I was hauling hay bales around southwestern Ontario, and uh, it was always up to the Ram to get us from A to B. That was 25 years ago, so I'm sure they've come up with some uh, exceptional improvements since then. That's a pretty good summer job right there. Yeah, pretty good summer job. <laughs> nice and sunburnt the whole time. Pale skin turned red. It wasn't the Ram's fault, though. This full-size pickup gives Canadians exceptional capability and aggressive styling from headlamp to tail lamp. But the real statement comes from inside, where an all-black interior teams up with heated seats and steering wheel, an available largest-in-class 12-inch touchscreen media center, where you can check out your favorite podcast, and innovative storage solutions designed to fit your busy life. Your friends might chirp your on-ice game. Well, not my friends. But they will most certainly not chirp your road game. The Ram 1500 Sport. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you're into fantasy sports. So friends, don't forget to sign up for the Sportsnet Fantasy Pool presented by Ram. Check it out, sportsnet.ca forward slash Ram. You can win all kinds of prizes. There's a ton up for grabs, including a 2020 
Ram 1500 Sport. I made a big trade. Finally consummated a trade in my pool after back and forth where people were completely trying to gouge me. Then I would completely (laughs) try to gouge them. And the offer that came to me, I actually replied to the guy. I said, in honor of you just making a fair, decent offer, I'm not going to haggle. I'm not going to say, can we make this third a second? So uh, I'm rebuilding still here. We're both joining this league from the bottom uh, up. We're expansion team. So I had Sergey Bobrovsky, who I do think is going to turn it around. We can save that for another pod. Sure, yeah. But I figured I'd trade Bob now for Barrett Hayton, a third-round pick, um, and Mackenzie Blackwood. So eh, not too bad. Some decent futures there, I think. Third-round pick in an 11-team pool. Yeah. So it's not too late or anything like that. It's funny because I also had a pretty aggressive offer from the same GM. Yeah. For John Gibson. And it was very tempting. I, You know what? I have to agree. It was a very solid and fair yeah, offer. But it was you don't just see like, that all wanna, the time. I don't want to give up John Gibson. All right. So speaking of Mackenzie Blackwood, the New Jersey Devils. I mean, we talked about uh, some of the storylines off the top in October skewing uh, a positive for Vancouver and Edmonton and Buffalo. Man, New Jersey. It has been gruesome there. The goaltending has not been good, including Awful. Corey Schneider, probably starting with... Corey Schneider. I mean, you've got Taylor Hall in this contract year that everyone's been talking about saying, I'm kind of mad at our fans because they're booing us when we're one for three on the power play. Not a great scene there. And, you know, I don't I don't think a lot of us really expected the Devils to challenge for a playoff spot. But some people were. Yeah, at least on the periphery, I suppose. But the bottom line is that it felt like a real positive story. Subban coming in was universally uh, applauded. That was a great deal by the yep. Devils. And yep. Jack Hughes coming in. Now you've got this one, two. They, ha- they have signed Nico Heischer to a seven year extension, which I think is a smart move. And if you're into that kind of talk, you should check out my big read about second contracts coming up on Sunday on Sportsnet. A- easy plug there. But yeah, I mean, things are looking pretty rough in Jersey right now. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you had to get Heischer under contract because, I mean, this is really indicative, right? And maybe you get into this in your piece of how teams are going to want to get out ahead of these things. This is exactly what it's about. I'm I'm so glad to hear you say that. Okay, perfect. (laughs) I'm just glad to know that this piece that I wrote is going to make sense, that people are going to read and be like, yeah, that does. It does. Um, Yeah, you know, like, I think the Devils, and even when you look at the Rangers and the Chicago Blackhawks, all of whom are struggling, closer to the bottom of their conferences than they are to a playoff spot right now, it really is a reminder that should drive the point home that it is really tough to get out of these rebuilds. It's so much easier said than done, right? Like, they all did something in the summer to try and, yeah, the Rangers and Devils especially, to try and push forward. Blackhawks get, like, Robin Lehner and all that. They just uh, got to play but, them but more. But there was, na- yeah, they got to play them more. But there was like natural progression. Maybe yes. the team was coming together, but but then the reality hit that, oh, yeah, you've got to play defense too over 82 games and, and it's just not working out. Um, the Devils, you know, I wrote about them as one of my takeaways uh, from the month in our Sportsnet NHL newsletter this week. Sign up for that at Sportsnet.com. <laughs> we are full of plugs today. <laughs> um, and really about them, it was, it is going to be a tough slog for them to convince Taylor Hall to stay here because he's been to the playoffs once in his career. I'm going to end up playing devil's Play advocate games. here, but you okay. keep going. You okay. keep going. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of said, he's alluded to it. He said it, that he wants to go somewhere with his next contract that is, you, know, you can't guarantee they're going to get into the playoffs every year, but somewhere that there's a better chance that you're going to be in there more often than not. And with the Devils struggling as they are right now, Subban's going to be a UFA in two more years after this one. I know you've got young guys and everything like that, but they're not doing anything 
with their play and their fans, the way he called them out, certainly aren't doing anything to sway him to sign a big, long eight-year contract or whatever to stay there. Um, it just seems more likely to me now that he's that he's going to leave unless something really turns around. I'm not saying the Devils 100% have to make the playoffs this year for Taylor Hall to stay, but they can't be at the bottom. You know, you, you got to be making a push. A few random thoughts about Taylor Hall and the Devils, though. I mean, because it was such a coup, it was a great trade getting him, and he is such a great player, and he's still, I think he turns 29 in November, if I'm not mistaken. No, 28 in November uh, in a couple weeks here. You just kind of get conditioned to thinking, like, they've got to do whatever they can to keep him. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy who's been hurt a lot, and all I'm saying is, I mean, yes, he is still relatively young, but to me, it's not a slam dunk that you give him a blank check. He also plays the least valuable position on the wing. Mm -hmm. So even if things were going well, though I would certainly make a strong offer if I was Ray Shiro, I don't necessarily know that I would have said whatever it takes. We absolutely have to keep this guy who, if you just go through it, year by year has a lot of 53 games, 65 games. Um, So there's that element. The other thing with Taylor Hall, too, is from his perspective, you know, he's a guy who when he went there and it was the second year that things went fantastic and they made the playoffs and he was the MVP, he acknowledged, and I thought it was really interesting to hear him talk about this, that like, you know, it took him a while to get comfortable. And we kind of tend to think of NHL players as just hockey guys who can just go anywhere and play. And I think Taylor Hall has a little bit more of a complicated personality than that and he needed to he was hurt by the trade and Mm -hmm. it was a it was a tough move now this would be a different kind of move in that he'd be choosing a place and would you know would theoretically be excited about it but it's more upheaval like do you want to go through that if it took you a year to rebound and adjust and and get used to new jersey now you want to go do it again after playing there and the 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 last thing that i will say is we're sitting here talking about how unpredictable everything is now, yeah, of course, next summer we're going to be able to circle eight teams and say, well, those teams, you'd almost bet your life on them getting in the playoffs. But how many of them are going to have, because they're so good, they're already paying players, right. are they going to have room for Taylor Hall? If you're Taylor Hall, my concern is I'd go pick another team just as the Devils really start to emerge. Right. And Mackenzie Blackwood does look like a goalie. And Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes are a great one, too. Um, I, I just, I feel like there's more layers to this than we're kind of conditioned to thinking of, like, you know, the devils have got to grovel at the feet of Taylor Hall and, you know, beg him and plead with him to stay. Like, well, the devils, even though things are kind of ugly right now, overall do have some good stuff going on. And I'm just not convinced he's going to be able to go out there and, and you know, for sure pick his soft landing spot. And, and you know, that, that team's going to afford to pay him and off they go. Yeah. Uh, he is the guy, though, who has talked about John Tavares' decision yes. to leave as an interesting sure. Um, so At the very least, it sounds like he wants to go into that week when it's like, all right, let's get a conference room in L.A. Yeah. and five teams can make their pick, yeah. maybe including New Jersey. Yeah, his AAV is going to be very, very interesting, yeah. especially after what Mitch Marner just signed for, right? This guy, Taylor Hall, has won an MVP. Yes, he's a little bit older, but... But this gets into what I'm writing about. Do you want to pay for what happened or do you want to pay for what's to come? Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously you want to pay for what's to come. Ideally. But, but I think, and there could be but great things to come, right? for sure. That's right. He's, he's, no doubt. he's not like in his late 30s or anything like that. Let me ask you a hy- 
huge hypothetical here. So another team that's struggling right now, yeah. but has better expectations. San Jose Sharks. I am. Uh, if John, Joe Thornton retires, Patrick Marlowe's not back. You know, that's some money that that's coming off the books there. Maybe Melker Carlson's $2 million. Like you just kind of chip away and chip away and chip away. We know their goaltending stinks. It stunk last year, but they were able to get into the playoffs and be a pretty good team because they had the offense that could push it. They still have the two big horses on defense, but the offense is not right now enough to offset the bad goaltending. If you're Taylor Hall, would you choose San Jose if San Jose is a bubble playoff team this year? Or would you choose to stay in New Jersey with the potentially brighter future that they have there? But it's definitely less certain than than it looks like the Sharks could be. I guess it's tough because San Jose does, even though they're kind of coming to the end of the line with, I maybe. mean, Pavelski's gone through, maybe. Yeah. But, you know... But you have Timo Meyer. They found the Timo Myers. Absolutely. Um, I guess what I'm saying is you would tend to have faith in Doug Wilson. And I mean, if Taylor Hall goes there, that's it. That just further uh, solidifies the idea that this is always going to be a place that can attract people. They can, they have, I mean, you're not going to build your team through free agency, but they do have that advantage of guys are going to want to stay there. I do think that's a tough one because I do believe in Ray Shiro. I think long term, Ray Shiro will get the Devils where he wants them. It just might not dovetail with Taylor Hall's timeline. So um, especially if Doug Wilson was telling me the right things about getting a goalie um, at at worst, I'm living in Northern California. So if I'm missing the playoffs there, I guess it's a little more palatable. I I would think that's a move you'd have to look long and hard at and probably say, yeah, San Jose, um, you would feel better about your odds of getting in year over year and maybe still being able to, to win with, with the, the core of guys or some of the core of guys in Couture yeah. um, who yeah. have been there so many times. I have to also imagine a team like the LA Kings would be in on this. Yeah. Jeff Carter's contract is coming off the books this summer. Dustin Brown, I think, is another year. That'd be a tougher sell competitive-wise. But. but exactly. They don't have that. But again, they're missing... Like, if you look at the Kings, they were bottom of the league last year, I think 30th, actually, in shots per game, and they're leading the league in shots per game right now, but they just don't have the goal scores that are going to have the shooting percentage that's going to be enough to make much of a difference there, but Taylor Hall potentially could be a massive difference maker there. I'll I'll leave you with this one before we do an entire pod uh, devoted to fake trades, maybe around Taylor Hall. The team that I look at that I'm like, wonder if this, if, if he does get moved, would this be a fit this year? Is uh, a close by one, the New York Islanders. Yes, that's another one I was thinking. Don't about. you think? Yeah, would be you sure. wouldn't even have to move, you know? Sure. And yeah. team that could use a little more punch. They're competitive again on a good winning streak, and you know, obviously uh, have done amazingly in the aftermath of Tavares leaving, but could use more pure talent. Might be a fit there. And how about one more? How about the Columbus Blue Jackets? Oh, yeah. Well, they're they're <laughs> just determined to do something, yeah, right? Yeah. They might actually gonna... be the team that would throw big money at yeah. him, right? Maybe? Yeah. I mean, they were going to do it for their guys, and they just didn't want to be there. Um, and again, it's kind of like, it's the same thing with all these teams. Like, none of them are so obvious, to your point, yeah. about getting in. But if Columbus isn't at the bottom, and they're hanging around the playoffs a little longer than we thought this year... Taylor, does Taylor Hall look at that and say, I could go there and really make a difference and they're going to pay me a lot of money. Maybe he's the guy to go to Columbus. Speaking of Columbus, it was, of course, those Blue Jackets who upset the Tampa Bay Lightning, keeping Rory's streak alive of having oh, his God. Stanley Cup pick 
at the beginning of the playoffs go out in four games, not even win one game in the playoffs. Three years straight, Rory has uh, pulled that unbelievable feat off. Thanks for reminding off. everybody. We, uh, we got to pull that one out as often as possible. We're going to be talking about the Lightning and their uh, somewhat uninspiring October with Eric Erlinson of Lightning Insider coming up on the other side of the break on Tape to Tape. Oddshark.net is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks. Looking for stats and trends for an upcoming game? Oddshark.net has those too, and it's free. Expert in-depth analysis, stats, and trends to help you make the sharp game day picks. Whether you want to get it on the football action, tonight's hockey game, or anything in between, go to oddshark.net. This is not a gambling site. Time now for our overtime segment brought to you by Subway. No joke, Subway now delivers. This week we are joined by the Lightning Insider, Eric Erlinson. Eric, how you doing? I am good, gentlemen, and I use that term loosely. How are you? We are very well, and I dare say maybe feeling a little better than the Tampa Bay Lightning are after one month of the NHL season. This is why we've called you to get the expertise, because from the outside world looking in, certainly things haven't gone exactly as one might expect for this team that just piled up the wins in the regular season. We all know what happened in the playoffs, but... You know, just a, a team that uh, loaded for bear, and and I think many of us expected them to come storming out of the gate. What have you seen uh, that is and maybe isn't all that concerning through about a dozen games for this club so far? Well, there's a few things at play, I think, for this team. Number one, I, I think we are basing there based on what we saw last year. Like, the expectation is, well, they should just roll for the regular season again, and then they'll be ready for the playoffs, and it hasn't been that way. I think it's hard sometimes for a team in Tampa Bay situation to be as motivated as maybe some of their opponents in the early part of the season because you have to get climb that 82-game mountain to get back to it. Look, the only way this team finds redemption is in April. It's not in October, November, December. It has to wait until April before they can push past what happened to them in the postseason last year. So you have that going on. And then the other part of it you have is the coaching staff from the day they arrive for training camp is trying to get this team to be a little bit less high risk. You know, they, they don't want to be a team that beats themselves. They want to be a team that scores goals for sure because that's a strength of their team, but maybe not press the play a little bit. Maybe if you're up three nothing, you don't have to push for that fourth goal. You know, you want to, you just want to manage your puck a little bit better. Uh, don't turn it over so much, especially at those areas right around the blue line. So they're trying to get that message across a little bit more. Uh, I think some of the players have been a little hesitant to kind of change their mindset or it just hasn't kind of clicked in because they were so successful with how they played last year. So I think it's a transition, I think, in the way they want to approach the game. Not necessarily that they want to play the game, but the way they want to approach things. Um, the issues that they've had so far is the turnovers that they want to cut down are still plaguing them at times. You know, we saw it in, in the game-winning goal for the Rangers the other night where Yanni Gore had a chance to get the puck in down low, chose to curl back high, try and look for a trailer. He's surrounded by three Rangers players, and the Rangers go off the other way and score the game-winning goal. Too many of those type of plays are still in their game. 
and the penalties are an issue. They take way too many penalties. They're somewhere up around five per game, and their penalty kill has not been very good this year. That has to be a major concern as you're just here through the first month of the season. So transition in the way they want to play and some of those things that they want to get out of the game hasn't got out of it yet. So I imagine those are all, you pretty much covered all the bad habits that Steven Stamkos talked about when he kind of called the team out there. And I believe it was the second yep. week of the season, very, very early. Um, how, how did the team respond to that after, after he said those things? They responded the right way. You know, uh, they started the season with those three games and four nights and they got totally dominated by the Carolina Hurricanes. And that kind of brought the comments from the captain that came out and, you know, they lost the game in Ottawa that a lot of people are going to look at that say they shouldn't have lost, uh, again, because a couple of turnovers that cost them. But, you know, Ottawa had won a game at that point, and they were kind of hungry to get that first win, and they just outplayed Tampa Bay. But, you know, they turned that around, and they, and they went into Montreal, and they beat Montreal. Uh, they went into Boston, who was riding extremely high at that time, and beat the Bruins in a shootout. Uh, they've beaten the Penguins in this last little stretch. So they've kind of answered it. They, again, they haven't cleaned up everything in their game, and it's going to take a little bit before they get comfortable with that thought process. But I think they've responded in the right way with the exception of the penalties. There's too many of the stick penalties that are driving the coaching staff nuts, um, you know, the hookings, the holdings, those type of things. So for the most part, they've responded the right way, but they still got some things they got to work on. Uh, ultimately, do you think that, you know, after the way last season ended getting swept in the first round of the playoffs, um, that, you know, I hesitate to say the word adversity because I don't know if this is adversity. They're not really off to a bad start, maybe just not as dominant as they were last year. But ultimately, do you think that this kind of maybe uphill battle is going to be good for this team in the long run? It, it can never hurt. You know, it, it's easy to say that they didn't face any of that last year, and that's why they got swept in the playoffs. I mean, they faced some of it. I mean, they lost Andre Vasilevsky for a month uh, from November to December last year, so they had to deal with the absence of him. In terms of the record, no. I mean, they ran away from everybody. Once they got to January, uh, after the December they had, I mean, they basically had the President's Trophy wrapped up by the middle of February. And from that aspect, I guess you can say they didn't face the type of adversity, and then when it hit them in the playoffs, they, for some reason, a veteran team like them didn't know how to handle it. Uh, so, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to go through some of this. You know, they had some injury bug kind of catch up with them here towards the end of the month as well. They're missing some guys in their lineup. The more you have to go through that and you find success through it and, and see the light at the end of that tunnel, it, it can do nothing but help you to prepare for situations that are going to come down the road because you never know what you're going to face. And if you've been through it before – you're kind of ready and maybe a little more prepared to do it than maybe they were last year. We've been harping a bit on uh, the negatives here with Tampa, but it's not like there hasn't been some good developments. Kevin Shattenkirk might lead the list of those, uh, of course, signed after he was bought out by the Rangers, making just 1.8, four goals and five assists, if I'm not mistaken so far. What have you seen from Mr. Shattenkirk on the blue line? He His style of game fits exactly what the Lightning want out of their defense in terms of moving the puck, being involved in the rush. Uh, one thing that we've noticed about him that, you know, you have to see sometimes to see, you know, you see a player up close on a, on a consistent basis. He is so good at getting shots through that he can find those lanes and, you know, he's picked up a couple of assists that way. Uh, so he's been just a perfect fit for them. The defensive side has never been his strength, and they're still trying to find out who he's best going to be paired with kind of moving forward. Uh, but his offensive game suits this team to a T. He has mentioned that so many times about how he just feels so comfortable already 
you know, he scored two goals already off the rush, one in Boston, one in Toronto, uh, by being that type of guy who can get up the ice. So uh, for, for the money he's making and the value he's given him so far, it, it's been a perfect fit for both sides. And he's even said it, and he's mentioned this a couple times after the season has started, he feels he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to kind of get back to being the player he was, especially in the days with St. Louis, whereas the Lightning kind of have that same mentality because of what happened in last year. So there's been so many perfect fits for him. You mentioned this, and I, I just want to pick up on it, Eric, but do you get the sense from this team sometimes that it, it really is hard to operate when your only shot at redemption does come eight months from now? I mean, no one's going to be talking about how they're doing unless it's in, in this context when they're not you know, shooting the lights out the way we expect in the regular season. I mean, th- this team, it's not just last year. This is a team that has been you know, really knocking on the door, went to the final in, in 2015. I mean, there is, there's one step left for it, yet they've still got to go through um, this 82-game schedule. And and now, you know, you look at when a team like Buffalo rises up to the top of the Atlantic, um, uh, Montreal looks better, Florida looks better. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever truly concerned the Lightning are going to miss the playoffs, but it must be a bit of a battle for this core group of guys who, you know, really are focused on that, that one thing, which is, is the last step on the mountain and winning the cup. It's a mental challenge. There's no doubt about it. And it's amazing because we're, you know, the first, they they finished October with a six, four and two record. And it's not bad. I mean, 14 points in the first month of the season, you know, it's not the Colorado avalanche, but it's a pretty good record. Mm -hmm. But yet, People want to nitpick them because, well, how come you're not winning every game? And the flip side of that is, if they were winning every game, what would people say? It doesn't matter. You know, yeah, what yeah. you do in the playoffs? It's so true. It's so they're true. kind of caught in between there. Yeah, they're kind of caught in between. Yeah. So it, it seems like no matter how, unless they started the season really, really flat, you know, it was going to be an, an issue with how they started and how people perceived them because of how so many things went well for them last year. But I think when you start to dissect their regular season last year, they were able to outscore. Some of their mistakes, and we saw that a lot, especially when Andre Vasilevsky was not there. And then Andre Vasilevsky would cover up a lot of those mistakes as well, and then they would be able to go down and score a couple goals and pick up the victory. So when when the coaching staff kind of dissected things over the summer and when the team came back, this was some of the stuff they talked about. Cut down on the high danger chances against. Uh, the expected goals rate, they were one of the highest. Goals against rate, they were one of the highest in the league in terms of that, which I think was an eye-opener to at least some of the players that I talked to about it. Uh, and the penalties, those are the three things that they've really wanted to clean up. But it's a mental thing because, just as I said, if they were 14-0 and right now, people would be saying, so what? Who cares? Show us in April. They're 6-4-2, and so we're struggling. How come you're not winning more games? So they're kind of caught in between in how people perceive them. So I guess what, it, what really matters to this team is how are they doing internally? How are they doing in, in getting this new mindset? And that's going to be a process. It could take another six weeks. It could take another couple of months before they really feel comfortable with it. So as long as they're just, you know, they're there and they don't fall too far behind, and I don't think they will, uh, you know, this team will be fine. They've had a difficult schedule. Six of the first seven games are on the road. they got this trip to Sweden, so it's a 12-day trip. So they've had a lot of time away from home. So I think once they get past this whole Sweden trip, I think it's an opportunity for them to kind of catch their breath a little bit and then get into the meat of their schedule. Yeah, just to pick up on that, the the Sweden trip, the Global Series, two games against the Buffalo Sabres, who are exceeding their early season. Yeah, all of a sudden those points are important, aren't they? <laughs> um, yeah. on, on Friday and Saturday night, November 8th and 9th. Um, just just tell us kind of what that trip is going to to mean for this this team. Are, are they talking about it uh, much? You know, you've got to... 
you know, Victor Hedman, I would imagine we'd be pretty excited to head back for this, although he's dealing with a short-term injury here as well. I, w- will he be playing in that game? Uh, and, and just what are the guys saying about it? Well, the good news is it sounds like he should be available to play uh, in those two games in Sweden. They, they talked about him being able to get back to practice next week when the team does get over there. So that's good news for Victor Hedman because this does mean a lot to him to be able to go back and play in his home country and uh, take the lightning sweater back to his home country. I and mean, he's talked a lot about that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this, this, this trip is a, it's a fun trip. I mean, this has been circled on their calendar, obviously, since it was announced, even before it was announced way back when to have it. it, it there's a bonding element to it. There's a, you know, even John Cooper talked about, you know, there's a lot of people on this team who haven't been to Sweden, including himself. So they're looking forward to seeing a different culture and all that. But at the end of the day, it's a business trip. You get two important games against a team that's gotten off to a really good start. So they're going to buckle down, uh, especially later in the week as they get closer to these two games. Uh, but it, it should be a lot of fun. I know in, in talking to some of the guys, they're really looking forward to the opportunity to kind of uh, expanding and getting out there and, and seeing a different area of the world. All right, Eric. Well, we will be checking back in with you later on in the year to see how the Lightning are doing, and certainly all of us will be watching this team come spring. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right. That is Eric Erlinson. You can find his work at lightninginsider.com. You can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric, E-R-I-K, underscore Erlinson, E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S, O-N. That is going to do it for this episode of Tape to Tape, but make sure you're coming to sportsnet.ca to find all of our awesome work there. Make sure you're following Rory on Twitter, at Rory Boylan, myself, at Dixon on Sports. Thanks again to Eric for joining us today. Check back next week for more Glass Rattling Hockey action on Tape to Tape. Tape to Tape.